0: This week on Priority One, we trek out Star Trek Discovery's PaleyFest offerings in New York City, how Picard may shock us, and Kate Mulgrew celebrates a milestone. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we take a peek at Stowe's newest science ships, and Star Trek Online in VR, before hearing from you in feedback. And of course, this episode, we remember the great Aaron Eisenberg.
1: R.P.N., the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
0: This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast.
1: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
0: And now your hosts. Hello, captains. You're listening to episode 431 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded on Tuesday, September 24th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, September 27th, at priorityonepodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Winters. And I'm Jake. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for filling in for both Kat and Anthony this week. It's great to have you.
2: The pleasure is all mine. Absolutely fantastic to be back. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. We also encourage you to voice your opinions and give us feedback. For instance,
1: you can use the voice memo feature. From your mobile device to send us a voicemail, just send it as an attachment to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Maintaining
2: these features would not be possible without the support of our patrons, listeners like you, who support the ongoing production of this show by offering a financial contribution each month. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One Pod and check out how you can become an admiral in the Priority One Podcast listener fleet.
0: Now, of course, we understand that giving up your hard earned money to a podcast. Is a bit of a big ask, but there are other ways that you can help support this production. One of the best ways for you to help Priority One is to share our show with your friends. The moment you see that this episode goes live, make sure to share it on all of the social media platforms that you participate in. Heck, email it to your best friend and let them know they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here on Priority One.
1: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse
0: places. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Will you be around New York City between October 4th and October 15th? Do you like TV shows? Do you have money to spend? Then you may want to check out Paley Fest New York 2019. What is Paley Fest? Well, according to their website, quote, PaleyFest is the premier television festival in the country, a must-attend entertainment event produced by the Paley Center for Media that brings you together with the talent behind your favorite TV shows. Named for William S. Paley, founder of CBS and the Paley Center for Media, proceeds from PaleyFest support his mission to serve as a nonprofit cultural and educational resource in television, radio, and new media." End quote. So, why are we talking about this festival? because Star Trek Discovery will be there. On Saturday, October 5th at 7pm, Sonequa Martin-Green, Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, David Ahala, Alex Kurtzman, Heather Caden, and Michelle Paradise will take the Paley Center stage to chit-chat about what's going on in the year 3186. Tickets can be purchased over at PaleyCenter.org, and we will of course have a link in our show notes.
2: Hey Elijah, were you there last year?
0: Actually, I was. The I think it, no, was it last year or two years ago that it was the same and it's it's working the same way this year as well where in the day the cast of star trek will be at madison square garden during new york comic con and then that night there's going to be this paley fest event now i did get tickets and i know that sue from women at warp also got tickets for this paley fest event and the nice thing about this is that it wasn't all the same information that was shown and shared during new york comic con panel at Madison Square Garden that year. So I'm looking forward to this because we may get to see a different scene. We may get to see a different trailer. We may get some sort of announcement. It's much more intimate. The Paley Theater is a smaller space. So like you can almost reach out and touch them, especially if you're in the front row. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to what they share during this event. I'm a little disappointed that it's not going to be Picard that is featured in this Paley event and instead Discovery, but still, Trek is Trek and news is news, and I hope that we'll see some great stuff there. Agreed. We all hate
1: Poppins, don't we? You're sitting around planning on eating some Cheetos and day drinking in your sweatpants, when all of a sudden, ding-dong, surprise! you've got an unannounced visitor. But then, if said unannounced visitor was Sir Patrick Stewart, maybe you'd feel a little different about the dreaded Poppins. That's exactly what happened at the University of Huddersfield, to which Sir Patrick serves as the Emeritus Chancellor. Following the wrap of principal shooting for his newest series, Star Trek Picard, the 79-year-old Stuart arrived, unannounced, to tour the school's Barbara Hepworth building, which will serve as the new home for the University's School of Art, Design and Architecture. While there, Examiner Live had a word with the thespian regarding his return to Picard. Speaking about the premise of the series, Stewart said, "...we're looking at a new world with new objectives, problems and issues that could not have been raised when we were making The Next Generation, and I found that very exciting. It's very exciting and people will be surprised and perhaps even shocked." Stewart was then asked if he planned on getting back on stage, to which he replied yes, but explained that he had other work on his plate. Then he dropped a track nugget into the sauce. Quote, There is also the possibility of a second Picard series filming in March of next year. End quote. For a link to the Examiner Live article, track out the link in our show notes. So this was pretty interesting. I assume he means
2: a second season, not a second series of Picard. Right, I picked up on that too. I was like, huh. Okay, did you see the rumors about the possible shock that we're going to experience in Picard? Is that they think that he's going to die?
0: You heard it here first. I know we, we did. Talked I know we talked about it here. So, no, I didn't see that that was a rumor that was gaining some momentum. Yeah,
2: there have been a couple blog posts on it.
0: But like we said a few weeks ago, <laughs> like I <said> a few <laughs> ago, I would not be surprised if that's the direction they take it. And, you know, it's, it's a swan song kind of series. And for him to go out of his way to say that. People will be surprised and perhaps even shocked. You know, Sir Patrick doesn't tend to mince words. You know, he chooses his words quite carefully in most of his interviews. And and he's not one to accidentally spill the beans. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we could very well see, you know, a a sad ending to Picard in the series. But maybe he was deliberate in using the word series, you know, a different story to tell, perhaps voiceover work or something, you know?
2: Some of the interesting thoughts on that were that every Star Trek series after the next generation has been named for the ship that they fly. So the rumor was that he's going to die and then his crew will inherit the the USS Picard and that will carry on the tradition of a show using the ship's name in its title.
0: Huh. Huh. Interesting. This is going to sound so weird, but if this is a Picard swan song, if done well, if done well like Logan was done well, I would not be upset. Like I think it would be a a fitting end to his career as Picard, Mm -hmm. right? You know, he is seventy-nine years old now. You know, and I think that if they, I mean, anything's better than a bridge. (laughs) I was just gonna
1: say that, yeah. So, (laughs) Captain on the bridge, bridge on the captain.
0: If they, if they can deliver a better ending to Picard's arc, then great. You know, I I would, I would rather that be the case than a a poor story or not getting anything at all. Mm -hmm. You know.
2: Speaking of captains, Catherine Janeway has turned silver. No, we aren't referencing her notorious hair or suggesting that she is transforming into a precious metal. September 19th, 2019 marked Mulgrew's first day of filming for Star Trek Voyager, 25 years ago. The actress who famously filled the role of Captain Catherine Janeway was congratulated by fans online. She replied in a Facebook post, quote, It's come to my attention that, on this day, 25 years ago, I filmed my first scenes as Captain Janeway. Thus, 25 years ago today, I walked onto the bridge and my life changed utterly. A singularly privileged and extraordinary journey on that intrepid vessel with my beloved crew. How lucky I have been. End quote. For a link to Mulgrew's Facebook post, check
1: out the show notes. 25 years ago? Oh my god. I'm getting old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And let's not forget that she wasn't the original casting choice for the role. She was, you know, she beat out... Or she replaced rather a French Canadian actress who left just a few days after filming. And I believe there's been a video circulating around the web of like somebody taking a video of her behind the scenes getting into place and and delivering a line, which was really interesting. Now, Captains, it is with great sadness that we report the passing of Aaron Eisenberg. The actor who portrayed Nog on Star Trek Deep Space Nine passed away suddenly on Saturday, September 21st. That night, Eisenberg's widow posted, in part, quote, It is with extreme regret and sadness to announce that my love and best friend, Aaron Eisenberg, passed away earlier today. At the moment, I'm not sure how to do life without him. He is, and always will be, my California. End quote. Eisenberg, who guest starred as Nog for the seven-season run of Deep Space Nine, is survived by his wife and two sons. He was 50 years old. In Star Trek Online, a torchlight vigil was held on Deep Space Nine by several members of the community, honoring the late actor who reprised his role for the game in 2015. Additionally, his name has been added to a memorial placard that can be found in-game on Earth, space dock, Kronos, and New Romulus. And according to lead designer Al Rivera, in a tweet, a new one has been added to Deep Space Nine. On behalf of everyone here at Priority One Podcast, we wish to send our deepest condolences to Aaron's family, friends, and the Star Trek community that found joy in his performances and appearances throughout the years. There is currently a GoFundMe campaign that has been vetted by Aaron's family and friends to help with funeral costs, At the time of this recording, the campaign has reached over double its goal, with over 800 donors. Links to the campaign will, of course, be included in the show notes.
1: So, this really hit me very, very hard. I remember on Saturday, I seen a post on Twitter saying that he was in hospital and he was in critical condition. And we had our Armada weekly show, which I was on, and when I finished the show... I checked Twitter again and got the news that he had passed. And like so many fans, I'm sure, it really, really hit me incredibly hard. And the reason for that is because he had a huge effect on my life and my well-being, actually. In particular, the episode The Siege of AR558, when they're down on the planet and they're in battle against the Jemadar and Nog. ...ultimately ends up losing his leg, he gets hit. And subsequent episodes then, like uh, It's Only a Paper Moon... ...which dealt with his rehabilitation and trying to overcome his disability. And for me as a military vet, these episodes meant a huge amount to me... ...and more than I can ever truly describe. Because I was able to identify with him so much and the way he played that role and the struggles that he had and went through and eventually overcame. And those episodes were just always such a huge source of strength for me. And I always appreciated the way that he played the role. And I always wanted to meet him, to thank him and let him know how much he had actually helped me in overcoming the struggles that I've gone through. And to be honest, what I still go through on a daily basis from my time in the military. And yet it, really hit me hard. Do you know what it was like? It was like... It, it. This might sound a little weird, but it hit me the same way as if I had lost a member of the family. I couldn't believe that that he was gone. I really couldn't, because I had always planned on meeting him and get talking to him, you know?
0: You know, it's... The community response to his passing, you know, of course, where there's the shock, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there have been such amazing posts honoring his life and honoring the impact that his performance and he had on the fans Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i think contributed to that is how open and friendly he was to the community at conventions and you know through interviews and meeting people just in the Mm -hmm. world and this could you know that that could have been influenced quite a bit by his life i mean he was he was Born with a kidney defect and, and had gone through two kidney transplants. Yeah. There's an interview that Al Rivera had shared on, on Twitter of an interview he did talking about that. And, you know, I think he had, he most certainly had a huge heart and an open heart and loved to engage with the fans. Yeah, this was, this definitely hit hard in the community for, sh- yeah. for
2: sure. First, I'd like to thank Winters for sharing your story, man. That's That's pretty brave of you to do cheers thanks Jake I also think that it's it speaks volumes to Aaron that the outpouring was was not unexpectedly huge but everyone had the same things to say about him it was consistent Mm -hmm. he's open he's honest he's kind he's giving yeah it's a I mean it's a huge loss for us my heart goes out to his family his friends that's that's a tough one this is a tough one
1: yeah on Sunday I, I tweeted out you know just a, a brief synopsis of what i basically told you guys there and just as i was wording it as i was typing it up like i was getting teary eyed i really was yeah so sad i i remember watching videos or like even when he came into star trek online and uh, they done a live stream with him and he was chatting to people through in game you know through text
0: and he was so yeah exciting. yeah
1: yeah and he's there telling stories During the live stream, and he's, you know, he's typing back to players who are saying, Thank you so much for coming into the game and you've done a great job and all of this. And the impression I got was he was a very generous spirit, you know, a very Mm -hmm. giving and uplifting person. And yeah, I, I, he was only 50. I cannot believe he's Mm. gone.
0: Well, captains, as we mourn his passing, we also want to celebrate his life. And in doing so, we'd like to ask you to share with us how Aaron Eisenberg might have impacted your life, whether it was a performance or meeting him in person. Let us know and submit your stories to us via Twitter, via email, and we hope to share them next week as we continue to celebrate his life. And with that, we wrap this week in Star Trek News.
2: Computer, status report
0: status
2: incoming message i'm only in the
0: mood for good news today captains before we move on with the show we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor Gameprint, the company that allows you to 3d print your ship from star trek online have you got yourself a new gagarin that you've decked out in star trek online and want to display proudly with all the rest of your star trek memorabilia what about those new science ships Maybe the 2410 version is something that you've been eyeing. Well, with GamePrint, you can have that 3D printed with the ship's name that you choose and the registry number you choose. And right now, you can take advantage of free shipping inside the United States with no minimum or coupon required. So, if you've been thinking about getting a ship, maybe now's the time. Free shipping. Jake, you were at STLV with me when you saw what one of these hand-painted ships look like. Oh my
2: gosh. They are stunning. Stunning is not the word. It's like they just pulled it right from the TV screen and put it in your hands. It was gorgeous. And actually, last week, I was at Anthony's house, and I got to see the smaller version, and that's just as nice. I mean, these things are great.
0: Yeah, 3D printing has come a long, long way. Well, Captains, the best part is is that you don't even have to play Star Trek Online to take advantage of this. GamePrint.net has revamped their site, and now you can sort by ship class and narrow down all the options. Perhaps you're looking for an Assault Cruiser, or a Romulan Warbird, or a Klingon Battle Cruiser. Now you can sort it and explore the library of ships that have already been uploaded, to their library from other players. Then, through their website, you can rename the ship to whatever it is that you like. And don't forget, if you order now, no matter what size or cost of ship you choose, you can get free shipping. Just visit GamePrint.net and start building your fleet today. And of course, we thank GamePrint for their ongoing support of Priority One.
1: Last week, players may have noticed that the reward payout for the new patrol system were adjusted. As it turns out, on the September 19th patch for PC, the first patrol that you complete each day will reward double the marks, or 30 marks. Every other patrol you play goes back to rewarding 15 marks. The same applies for Dilithium. The first patrol you play each day will reward 1000 Dilithium Ore, and 500 for each subsequent patrol thereafter.
0: This is great, man. I didn't read the patch notes last week, and I logged in last night with Skiffy to do the dailies. And I was like, D- did you notice we got 30 marks on that first patrol? He's like, yeah. I was like, that's weird. Why did that happen? I, they, they just kind of snuck this in. Yep,
1: yeah. This was a nice little update, because when Awakening first launched, I was a little bit disappointed that we weren't getting the daily bonus. ...for playing a patrol. You know, the first time you claim any reputation mark... ...you get a daily bonus of 55 marks on top of the marks for that TFO. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed that that didn't go for the patrols as well. Having this, uh, an initial bonus at the beginning of an extra 15 marks was a nice change. And of course the Dolithium War because I wasn't playing any of the Delta ones and apparently it was missing from the new mycelial patrols. So getting a thousand lithium for your first patrol and 500 for everyone thereafter was a, a nice surprise as well. It's like,
2: oh wow that's not bad. It's a great bump. And these patrols are a lot of fun to play my favorite my favorite is the ninth rule yes i'll describe them as single player cues that were fast paced and and that is exactly what that cue is Mm -hmm. it's just fire phasers try to stay alive it's just a lot of fun how are you doing in the patrols
0: i'm doing well i you know i i did switch out of the constitution discovery constitution uh and back into my fleet battlecruiser Arbiter. Yeah, the Arbiter. Because it was, sometimes those waves get to be a, a bit much on advanced. And it, since I have either cannons or dual beam banks, I kind of always have to face front, which mm-hmm. it was just they were cutting through my shields. So I needed to be a little more tanky for these patrols. And so I switched back to my fleet.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're really going to chase it. The one that drives me crazy, and I, I apologize because I, because I can't remember the name, but it's the one where you go in to the Briar Patch, I believe. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I have the Disco Connie myself, too. And I send out the pets, and they just start shooting at all the, yes. all the red marks. And, blow. and so I have to I have to hanger them, you know what I mean? So they're just totally worthless for, throughout <laughs> the whole queue.
1: So the first time, like, day one when all this launched, that was the first one I played. Oh, no, no, it was the second one I played. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot where I was. And... My build on the Wolverine is cannon scatter volley. Yep. <laughs> and I oh, went in, no, and I seen red things. And yeah. I went, "Dory, Dory, Dory!" And then I'm like, why am I taking so much damage? <laughs> I blew am. everything up. <laughs> yep. Brain fart moment.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, in a commission ceremony held on Stardate 87724.4, Captain Sean of the USS Enterprise-F addressed a crowd of eager Starfleet officers to introduce the USS Somerville, a science vessel, quote, built with the most advanced science instrumentation and newly declassified mycelial technology. Quote.
2: This blog, written by lead ship and UI artist Thomas Moroni, was, of course, a teaser for the newly released science vessels available to players in game: the Tier 6 Somerville Intel Science Vessel for Federation characters, and the Tier 6 Bacal Intel Science Vessel for Klingon characters. Both of which can be purchased via the Sea store at an introductory price of 2,400 Zen per ship, or in a bundle for both ships that also includes a Fleet Ship Module and five Master Keys for 4,000 Zen. Prices will rise again after September 30th. Both of these ships will, of course, also have a Fleet Variant, but before you do that, leveling up the Starship Mastery and the Seastore Variants will grant captains the trait. Spore-infused anomalies, which will cause your bridge officer's anomaly abilities, i.e., Gravity Well, Titan's rift, etc., to deal electrical damage and drain the power levels of nearby foes. The universal console that comes with both ships The mycelial spore burst act a lot like mine's, except more fungal-like. When activated, you drop a trail of mycelial anomalies. Enemy ships caught in them will be hit with an electrical damage. It can even offer a chain damage effect that will leap from foe to foe.
0: So it looks like this starship mastery trait that enhances your bridge officer animali abilities, like Gravity Well and Tykan's Rift, seems to deal some pretty decent electrical damage, especially if you are outfitted as a science officer and your points to your traits are leveled up
2: i generally don't fly science characters because it's too complicated for me (laughs) but i would i would definitely like to get my hands on these ships i think they both look really cool so i had a look at these ships and um, they're you
1: know they're pretty standard hull modifier shield modifier uh, is what you would expect for science ships 3-3 3-3 three, three weapons, 3-4, uh, 3-aft, three, three, 3 device slots. The bridge officer seating is not surprising. I uh, So this is just a personal preference, but I really prefer ships that have two tactical seats, whether one of them is a universal or not, but they're at least lieutenant commander in level so that I can have two tactical bridge officers that can run two tag team ones, two attack pattern beta ones, And two beam fire will, or uh, a beam fire will, or a beam overload, uh, or can a scatter volley, or can a rapid fire? Look, it's a science vessel, so it doesn't. It's got a lieutenant commander tactical and a lieutenant universal, which is fine. So you know, you just you can't put out as much damage with your weapons, but. Again, it's a science ship, so it's not really geared for that. The trait that Elijah was talking about, I think, is going to be very good for science captains. And Jake, you're probably right. Science is probably one of the more harder careers to play in Star Trek Online. Uh, I know for me, it's my weakest area. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tactical and engineer, I, I can put together fantastic builds in those, but not quite there with science. But still can tell that this trait is going to be good for um, exotic damage builds, uh, which would be on a science ship and probably a science captain, like Gravity Well and uh, Tycon's Rift and so forth. Mm.
2: A quick look doesn't look like it's going to be meta-changing, but it certainly will be fun.
1: Right, yes. One thing I do want to note about the Klingon version, it comes with a battle cloak, mm. which I thought was really nice. Yes. Because I hate a normal cloaking device, because it's a one-time-use thing. You know, you can only use it to decloak for your alpha strike and you have to get out of combat again before you can use it again. So I think it's the greatest waste of time ever, uh, a normal cloak. <laughs> right. So it's a battle cloak or better for me, uh, for any ship that has that, because, you yeah, I just hate the normal cloaking
2: device. That brings us to our next community question. What do you think about the new Intel Science Vessels? Are they something that you'll invest money and time into? Let us know in the comments section or on our social media websites and platforms.
0: All right, guys. So this is a ten-year-old game. Okay, this is a ten-year-old game. And sometimes, sometimes it shows it. Sometimes it. Sometimes they update things, and it's just like the new lighting effect, and they do new missions, and they're just so beautiful and gorgeous that it's it's sometimes it's easy to see 10 years, and sometimes it's hard to see 10 years. And I have just gone through an experience where I cannot believe that this is a 10 year old game. When I first played the new mission Beneath the Skin, I really just was in complete awe of the environment that Nick, Taco Fangs, Dugid created. The mycelial network in Star Trek Online is stunning, and one of the first things that I thought about and thought to myself was, gee, I really wish I could put on my Oculus Rift." and walk through this world in first person. I mean, after all, I had experienced some amazing worlds in Sansar, worlds created by self-taught designers, not unlike the Foundry authors of old. So after flexing some Google Foo, I found a program that works alongside of VR equipment, like the Oculus, to convert some game titles into playable VR experiences. Now, interestingly enough, Star Trek Online was one of those titles, along with Elite Force, but I haven't tried it yet. (laughs) So, after a couple of hours of tinkering, and with the help from uh, the user forums, and a user by the name of delrifter 22 I managed to get it working with an app called VORPX. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. And, let me tell you something. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh My God, look, if you have a VR rig on your PC, do this right meow. I don't say this often, but stop listening to the show, click the link in our show notes and set yourself up to play Star Trek Online in VR. Because let's go back a few years. Early in the days of Star Trek Online, I'm pretty sure we talked about this with one of the developers, that Star Trek Online could be played in 3D. Because remember, Star Trek Online came out roughly around the time that, you know, everybody was buying 3D televisions and 3D monitors and 3D vision from Nvidia and 3D 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 3D. And it just never picked up. But Star Trek Online, my understanding was that it could very it could be played in 3D. But nobody really tried it, or if they did, they never really were vocal about it. The game is gorgeous in 3D. I mean, I was walking on Earth space dock and I felt like I was getting hit in the face with the trees it was just in my face in three dimensions the geometry is in three dimensions my character is in three dimensions then I went into space I was with Skiffy and I was just I think I tweeted I tweeted out a joke I tweeted out a a scene from uh, the movie Contact where it was like they should have sent a poet because it (laughs) was stunning absolutely stunning and it, I, I was like I don't think I can play Star Trek Online any other way anymore it was just so beautiful, it takes a little bit of getting used to, you know, you're used to that two dimensional experience with Star Trek Online, so there is a little bit of a relearning on, on how to maneuver a little bit, but especially in space and space combat when debris is flying in your face from a ship that you just exploded, <laughs> holy Crap, I cannot hype this up even more. So listen, I have pretty much a 10-year-old desktop. It's a a first-generation i7, uh, the 4930Ks, which is old. I'm running two GTX 970 for the win graphics cards, EVGA in in SLI configuration. So I'm not running a, a, a 1080. I'm not running a 2080. I'm running an older I'm running two older generation cards and I probably could still experience this with one card because the 970s were already VR ready essentially all the troubleshooting that I had gone through is is in that forum post and one of the things that I I figured out was to have like distance and character detail brought back a bit like brought back to like 50 I had it set to 200 which is absurd. You don't even need to have it set to 200 in Star Trek Online. But I brought it back down to like 100, maybe 80. Also, I did have to bring the sliders down to just below medium. And I got excellent frame rates. I wasn't dizzy. I wasn't nauseous, experiencing playing the game. Uh, Holy crap. Now X is not free. And, more importantly, use the app at your own risk. Priority One is not responsible for the application or software discussed in this show. But, have... Fun. I, I'm telling you, if you have a VR rig, you have to play Star Trek Online in VR and 3D. It is just, it's a it's a whole new experience.
2: This sounds amazing. I, I know that I, if if I get a VR rig, I will have to do this by myself because there are, there are a couple of times in my life where I've been very embarrassed. You always point at people and you're like, how can they be so enthralled by something that seems so irrelevant? VR was one of those things I, I put the headset on And I'm like Reaching out and t- I look like an old person Like It was disgusting This The other time was, I was with you Elijah We went to New York City And I'm walking around Going This place is unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> It was a mess So I know I know that If I play Star Trek Online In VR I have to do it By myself Because I'm gonna I'm gonna, It's gonna be the same thing
0: I'm telling you I I, immedi- I know that Tony has a VR rig I know that Henry uh, Tony Hunter Legacy Tony Has a VR rig Henry from uh, our artist and, and co-host mm-hmm. over on Guard Frequency has on And I'm like, I'm messaging them that night. Like, you guys have to do this now. Like, stop what you're doing and do it. And, and Tony's like, man, it can't be that good. It can't be that. And I'm still <laughs> waiting for him to do it. Because once you do, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to playing Star Trek Online you know, without the VR headset in 3D. I mean, space combat is crazy. And then I went into the mycelial network with it. I, play, I played the mission. And I was going through those uh, Einstein-Rosenberg bridges, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> flying through those tunnels when you go from island yeah. to island in the Mycelial Network. It was gorgeous, man. And, you know, it just Star Trek Online is a beautiful game as it is. Yes, it is. If you have a VR rig, follow the link in our show notes to how to set it up. Again, VORP is not free, but it it it's not crazy expensive. I encourage you to try this out. And... And whatever other game is listed as Vorp X compatible, because Elite Force, for instance, is uh, Vorp X compatible, and I might try to load that up on my machine and, and give that a shot. So let us know if you do. That's our last community question for Star Trek Online News. <coughs> let us know if you've tried Star Trek Online in VR and 3D, and what your thoughts are. Are you just as awestruck as I am?
1: And now, for upcoming STO events. From the in-game calendar, there is a Delithium weekend starting on September 26th and running through until September 30th. There is an item upgrade weekend scheduled to start on October 3rd through to October 7th.
0: Well, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming.
2: Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See. Are getting to know each other. Well captains hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week's community question was do you think Star
1: Trek needs to get younger? why or why not?
0: Captains, you did not disappoint with your feedback and we wish that we can get through each and every one of them because you guys just outdid yourselves this week so thank you so very much to everyone. We read all of the feedback and even though it does may not get read today just know that we did in fact read them, and, and we hope to at least reply to you guys individually throughout the course of the next couple of days and weeks. So so thank you all so very much. And our first piece of feedback came from AlienGamer79 on Twitter. Are they going to ignore what Star Trek has always been for constant action and special effects? I'm not opposed to action, but use it sparingly. Think back to how NBC rejected the first pilot as too cerebral and wanted more action, but some of the best episodes of the shows were the slower paced ones. I think they can underestimate what younger generations can handle or will like.
2: From Instagram, Paper Polish Hoarder says, If it wants to survive, probably. The original TOS fans are aging out. New fans means new revenue. As idealistic as we'd like to think Trek is, it is still a product to someone.
0: I want to take this opportunity and say on air how wrong Anthony was last <laughs> week. How dare he suggest that there should be an Avengers version of Star Trek where all the captains and crews get together to fight. That, it, oh, I would, that, in, you know, just no. I, I want to, I, you know how you, you know how in the family guy, he takes the, the rolled up paper <laughs> bag and hits him over the head. Stop in, it. In Stop, his defense, no. the
2: only way that, well, not the only way, but in his defense, one of the ways that Kate Mulgrew said she would reprise her roles Catherine Jane, Janeway was if it was with William Shatner and Patrick Stewart.
0: Uh, Look, if you want that story, go read the IDW comics, The Q Conflict. It's it's currently going on now, and and that's what that whole story arc is about. The the Q brings all the captains together, all the crews together to fight a Q Conflict, essentially. Just go read that and you'll see how poorly it can be executed.
1: <laughs> From Twitter, Graham Bowers says, Star Trek should always aspire to stay relevant, and the best way to do that as a show is to stay young. By all means, bring back the old classics, but we will continuously find new questions to ask. Trek should be there if not to answer, but frame those new questions.
0: That's a really good mm. point.
2: Yeah, this is one of my favorite pieces of feedback, and like you said, Elijah, everything was great. This was a really great feedback week, but this... This feedback here is, is, it nails how I feel about Star Trek. It needs to stay relevant, and it needs to answer questions that we need answered. If not to answer them, then at least to propose them.
0: From Facebook, Dave Rutley writes in, Yes, if you're talking audience, us original Trekkers love to watch the franchise and all of its iterations, good, bad, and ugly. Yet with the Abrams reboot and Discovery, CBS Paramount continue to try to engage younger audiences with flashy graphics and pew-pew in order to pad their bottom lines it's not the age of the audience that should be captured it's their imagination
2: another really great point point.
0: and you see I, yeah this is a really great point and i think that we're going to see this in picard you know it's definitely a show that's bringing in a name from a classic track from tng right something that, that we all love and adore i hope that it's going to do exactly what some of the members of our community are asking for here.
2: And finally, from PriorityOnePodcast.com, our old friend Tyler Maxwell replied, Of course Star Trek needs to appeal more to younger audiences, preferably in a new way that doesn't alienate older audiences. But if successfully getting a younger demographic to tune in ends up pissing off some of the olds, well, so be it. Many of us look at Star Trek as a positive, inspirational outlook for humanity's future. But if it's not attracting the attention of younger viewers, then what's the point? Trek can either evolve to better share its message with younger viewers or become ever more irrelevant.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 431 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
2: But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Wayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald.
1: Before we go, here's our community questions for this week What are your favorite Aaron Eisenberg performances? And what are your thoughts on the new Intel science ships
2: available for purchase in Star Trek Online? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at priority pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by finding us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're there. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. Just keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
1: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with me and Cass and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like Reputation Marks and Dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com
0: this episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support over at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And even if you can't make a financial contribution, that's all right, because the next best thing you can do is spread the word about this production. Invite your fellow Trekkies to get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here on Priority One.
2: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, Roscoe McQueen, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show and for guest hosting. And, of course, thanks to Winters for joining us this week as well. To associate producer, Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But, most importantly, a big thanks to you the star trek community our listeners because without your ongoing support none of this would be possible
2: enemy ship on sensors red alert no
0: engage
1: Just sneeze as you're saying it and it'll come back <laughs> <out coughs> fine.
2: See? Cool. See? I, I was a kitten. <laughs> you know what's nice about not going live? We don't have to make good radio. Let's just talk about stuff we could never talk about on the air. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I we're still being recorded. I probably should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is Elijah feedback sync
2: one. This is Winter's feedback sync two. There's no worse accent than mine. This is Jake feedback sync three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. Uh, well, captains hailing frequent. Well, captains hailing frequent frequencies. Yeah, let's try that one more time. Well, captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive your. Incoming messages.
0: Is that your best impression of me? Is that what the f that was? <laughs> Do I always say you're, you're like that? Is that really what it is? Like? <laughs> 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 All right. Yet, with the J Jims re. J Jims. Jims.
1: It's the Irish way of saying it. <laughs> <It's the>
0: best, <laughs> best, best, <laughs>
2: that's definitely going to be the name of the show. <laughs>
1: the Irish
0: way. <laughs>
1: Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network